Geek Tank Radio, News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Welcome, everyone. We are the Geek Patrol, and our microphones don't have a stun setting. Today's episode of Geek Tank Radio is brought to you by the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Eardrums. This isn't really so much, we're not getting any money for this. It sounds like more of a court-appointed type thing, you guys. So. I, I, I think you got your mail backwards. I think that was sent to you certified. I think so, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, he is certifiable. Anyway. Mm, welcome, so many ways. Yeah, welcome to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max behind the glass. And we have a, a special guest we're going to be introducing momentarily uh an old friend of the show so, you know mm-hmm. people that have listened for a while are going to know who this man is so uh guys so uh, quite a bit to get to um uh in this hour of the show then of course we always have our bonus digital content that we get to uh to uh later when you listen through spotify or youtube but uh in this hour um uh brandon we've got uh well of course we've got another interesting mailbag gtr mailbag it's not um a bad geek confession and i don't think this one triggered you right no, this no, is a, this was, a reasonable comment know, because right? this guy actually he actually marked it as not being a bad geek confession but being as a question actually we don't know if it's a he or she well that's true they didn't sign. they didn't mark it and so the, yeah uh, you know well i mean it, yeah it, Anyway. Joe's illegitimate son at gmail.com is, it kind of <laughs> makes me think it's a guy. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if we'll get to this at this hour or the probably later in our digital uh, segment. It, we're going to talk about how suffering can often inspire great art. How many, how many great stories or great pieces of music were written out of somebody's uh, tragic events in their lives and they put it to, they, you know, they harnessed that suffering and made it. I, I, I will piece give of you art. one quote by a. And made it. I, I will a piece give of you art. one quote by a music recruitment talent agent I know. Yeah. She goes, I have just found a wonderful new star. <laughs> Somebody hurry up and break his or her heart so we can get some great music out of them. Absolutely. So, mm. I actually, I think that's going to be part of the, the bonus digital thing where we can uh, unpack that. And um, we've got other stuff. We're not going to even bother teasing it. We got there a lot of go. just stay tuned. And uh, and and I promise you're going to be glad you did. However, it's time to introduce our uh, it's time to introduce our guest, Max. And I think space, space, space. That's all you got. Okay. Anyway, I thought there'd be more fanfare for that. Anyway, it's our good buddy, Jeremy Veldman. Jeremy, you are the president of the Memphis Astronomical Society. Is that correct? Allegedly, yes. Okay, because I I, I got to keep track of your titles. So, okay, Jeremy, uh, you're, you're an old friend of ours. We've known you forever, and um, you also like to you know you've you've done presomic and fantasy convention for for. Uh, you know, some of our Geek 101 field trips and, you know, during the convention itself. But, Jeremy, you're a big space geek. Very well-versed, right? I mean... Absolutely. And, My uh, passion. Yeah. And, what could and, be better? And the Memphis Astronomical Society, folks, you got to listen carefully. That's not uh, astrology. This is all space <laughs> stuff. And um, There there are no Ouija boards or uh, tarot cards at the meeting. No, and, and that's what happens. No. So the Memphis Astronomical Society, among other things, you get together once a month and you have, uh, you know, you have meetings. Of course, 2020 and 2021 was sort of a... You had to go digital for that. That was all these Zoom meetings. But you're back in person. And, Jeremy, we, we want you to be, you know, kind of a regular contributor on the show because we talk, you know, not only about geek things here, but it's all about, uh, you know, real science. And you're just really uh, – you always have, bring an interesting conversation when it comes to space news. So 
Uh, but we want to, you know, first of all, what's going on in, in this month's meet? This month's meeting, you know. Yeah. Well, our next month, our, our next meeting is May the sixth. That's next Friday, and okay. we are meeting at the Mosh Planetarium now, Ooh, formerly known nice. as the Pink Palace. That's our new venue for at least temporarily. Mosh stands for Museum of Science and History. But I guess you could say that it's the Memphis's version of the mosh pit. That's what it, we mean. Uh, oh, but, oh, but I was going to say, I'm not sure I like that acronym. <laughs> I'd say it, but, Terrible uh, title. Terrible. Mosh, I don't think they asked you, Joe. The I think mosh they went pit. straight for Museum of. Okay. But we got a planetarium now, including yes. a dome projector that once in a while they let us use. So we can do some pretty cool things. And next, next month, or next week, actually, May the 6th, we've got one of the more practical meetings coming up. If you are interested in observing night sky events and... 2022 looks like a pretty interesting year. We've got two lunar eclipses coming up. We've got a couple of meteor showers, including a possible meteor storm, an occultation of, of Mars by the alignment for those astrology nuts out there. Oh, hold, 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 wait. What did you say about Mars by the moon? Oh, uh, there's going to be an eclipse that the moon is going to block Mars. Exactly. It's called an occultation. It's actually December the 7th, so it's toward the end of the year. We've got plenty of time to prepare for this. Every two years, Mars reaches opposition. Opposition is when it's at its closest point to Earth. It's kind of like the planetary equivalent of a full moon. It's on the opposite <clears> side <throat> of the Earth. So it'll be nice and bright. And a full moon on December the 7th will actually occult Mars. So if you zoom in with your telescope, and we will actually show this at our meeting next Friday, May the 6th, the moon's disk will block a bright Mars. Pretty cool. Time out. I got a question. So, okay. Yeah, you know, sorry. You know, one thing with you, Jeremy, you always trigger a lot of questions. And if I don't ask them right away, I'll forget. But so you're looking up at Mars because, you know, Mars, you can actually see with the naked eye, right? You can see that little bit of orange or binoculars, oh, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Binoculars, so it comes ideal. on in, yeah. Right. But I'm just sitting there. So you're looking up. Well, you're saying the moon is going to pass in front of it or a shaft? I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. No, the moon will be full or I, we, it'll be it'll be a bright moon. So... It'll be a full moon, and Mars will also be bright, too, negative 1.9. I'll spare you the details. But basically, you know, it's, it'll be a, a similar in brightness to Venus, not quite as bright because it's, it's, Mars is near opposition. And, yes, a full moon will essentially move in front of a bright Mars and block it, basically occulting Mars. How long is that going to take? I mean, <laughs> it sounds like you're talking about hours of uh, yeah, it's not gonna commitment here. Seconds. You, you definitely got to block out some time. But um, sorry, Jeremy, that doesn't sound nearly as exciting as like a solar eclipse or anything. I mean, no offense, that sounds like a if real hard idea. Solar eclipse is definitely a better option. We got to yeah. wait two years for one of those. <laughs> but uh, this, you know, if you have a telescope, All right. All right. Joseph's waiting to hear, waiting to hear if uh, Marvin is going to take something out with this plutonium. Uh, right. Yeah. I think we're going to have to put Joe in the corner until Jeremy leaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. All okay. right. All right. I'm going to back up to the keyword because we're used to meteor showers. Yes. And since the Mark Twain days, we really haven't had really serious what you would call a meteor storm. Correct. But since we're back... It, rotationally, we're kind of getting back into the seedy neighborhood. So the option here is, what is the difference between a meteor shower and a meteor storm? Well, a meteor storm has the potential to be more pronounced. So we're talking uh, brighter fireballs, more frequent, and possibly a good show. Now, 
The caveat is, again, possibly. With these things, you just never know. But right. long story short, May the 30th is the day. It's from Walkman 3, otherwise known as Sony Walkman 3, if you want mm -hmm. to have a simplification. But this is a comet that was discovered back in, I think, the 1930s. And, okay. <laughs> and um, it broke up in 1995. And the Earth is going to be passing very close to pieces of this comet that broke right. up. And when it passes through, the debris from that comet could potentially obviously burn up in our upper atmosphere and produce a, a, a quite a show, a meteor, a meteor shower or even a meteor storm. So it's basically a meteor shower on steroids, for lack of a better way of saying mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, can I ask you a question? that uh, I, I like to think that it's the everyman question, but maybe it's not. But, no, um, in, it's it, not. Okay. <laughs> Is it is it more true to say, you know, folks, if you if you sit back and reflect, even though, you know, it, it seems very steady here on Earth, we're actually part of a we're, we're on a spaceship blasting through space. Right. At, at thousands of miles an hour. Isn't that correct? Right. Uh, we're moving really fast, even though it doesn't feel like it. Well, really fast, even though it doesn't feel like it. Well, are we slamming into meteors or are they moving faster and slamming into us? I guess is my question. So. I guess it would be us moving into them in the, in, in the case of... Me well, a meteor is a flash of light when something burns up in our atmosphere. Mm -hmm. The debris would be, I guess you would call it technically a meteoroid, or you could say comet dust. So these, you know, a lot of these particles are not very big, maybe the, the size of grains of sand. Some could be slightly, slightly larger. Mm -hmm. But they produce flashes of light when they pass into our upper atmosphere. But to answer your question, we're moving through this cloud of debris. Yeah. Okay. All right, Joe, let me put it in terms you'll really yeah. understand. Yeah. When you fall off a roof because you weren't paying attention <laughs> to the ladder, and you move through a cloud of pollen, it's yeah. the same thing. You are Earth. Oh, okay. Because the pollen might be blowing left to right, and I'm, right. I'm falling right. vertically. Good analogy. Right. Space pollen. I like there that. we go. Yeah. Well, okay. another way of looking at it is the Earth's gravitational force. Now that's logical. Kind of makes us like a giant vacuum cleaner. Well, that's right. true. And Are we're we kind of hoovering things, so. through space, and whatever gets close enough to us gets sucked into the atmosphere. Yeah. Okay. So, so those, so what you're giving us for this meeting are things that are basically what to look forward to. Uh, you know, it's almost like when uh, Ned Canty comes in and tells us what's coming up in the this season of uh, Opera Memphis. Right. You're telling us what's coming up. He's this coming. Season. He has an intergalactic opera. Right. Okay. So, right. Less singing. More, more set design. Well, Are we're you, a third of the way through the year. We've got eight yeah. months to go, and we've got I've got a top eight here of okay. things coming up in the next eight months, including, by the way, a lunar eclipse on May the 15th that you're not uh, going to want to miss. Now there we're talking. Go. Yeah. Much yeah. better. That's, that's going to be kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it really depends on what time it happens. Joe may be in bed by then. Well, they, well, they can happen in the middle of the night, right, Jeremy? Max <laughs> Eclipse is at 11.11. It starts at 10.30, so. Oh, it's not bad. Uh, yeah, that's it's not too bad. You can have this over my midnight yeah. and then okay. still sleep. Okay. <laughs> So what else? So you got the top eight. Let's hear them. Jeremy. All right, number one. At the top eight, let's hear them. Jeremy. All right, number one, May fifteen, total lunar eclipse. Nice. You're not going to want to miss this. You can you can observe this from your driveway. Mid eclipse starts at ten thirty and peaks at eleven eleven. So that's Central Time, May fifteen. May thirty is our meteor storm. Uh, June twenty four, we've got an alignment of planets, Mercury through Saturn. You're going to want to get up early for this one. Uh, November the 8th, we've got another lunar eclipse. Now, this one peaks in the middle of the night at about 4.16, so you may not want to stay up for that one. Are Number you going to stay up for that one? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to get yeah. much sleep space, that night. Space yeah. folks are going to be there, Joe. Yeah. 
For those of you meteor shower nuts out there, October 21, we've got the Orionids. And then on November 19, the Leonids. We'll talk about those. December 7 is our Mars occultation. You're going to want to see that. And then we wrap up. <laughs> Sounds the like year. the name of a band. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. And we wrap up the year on the 15th, 14th. So we've got several meteor awesome. showers. The one that, you know, obviously the lunar eclipses are the ones that excite me. But uh, the Mars occultation, that's one I'm, I'm not going to want to miss either on December the 7th. The Mars occultation. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's so. the thing we were talking about at the beginning. No, I know. I'm just <laughs> trying to, I mean, to me, it just doesn't sound as exciting. Because isn't the moon doing that all night anyway? Isn't it's it like, moving in front of things? It's pretty rare for the moon to line up with an object that's like, uh, you know, 60 million miles away. Yeah. Okay. So it is uh, It sounds rare. like a real niche fan base well, it's got something one. to do with <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, that's the beauty of when you go to these Memphis Astronomical Society meetings, you meet really interesting people. And, I mean, they, yep. they, and they're very passionate about this stuff. It, the meetings are great, Jeremy, and I can't believe that they uh, – now you've got them in the planetarium because what a – I mean, that's a nice setup. You you know, uh, are you going to be doing this from now on or is it just, you know uh, – are you going to be doing this from now on, or is it just kind of a month-to-month -month thing? Or uh... Indefinitely, but we're still taking it on a month-to-month -month basis. There, there's always the possibility of a conflict, or we could get a remote speaker that we can only get via Zoom. So Okay. It's kind of like marriage. You take it one month at a time. Mm -hmm. I guess. <laughs> really? That's, that's... All right. Can I throw you a completely left-field question? Have you been following the space station? A little bit. A little bit on it. Of... Just to, just to really activate the ancient astronaut people out there and most of our, you know, most of our style listeners, have you heard about the plankton issue? Enlighten um, me. I'm intrigued. Oh, okay. Um, growing on the outside of the windows of the International Space Station. I noticed I did not say the inside. I was about to say the outside. I said the outside huh. of basically what looks like sea plankton. Wow. That's interesting. Has yes, small amounts of moisture and you're sure this is kept. the outside. There's the a, like, outside. Huh. So yeah, so we're we're being fascinated. See, we've already brought up the fact that the Earth is actually getting a little tiny bit bigger every day because of just the sheer amount of space debris, and we're talking dustbuster type stuff, dust that is sifting in onto the Earth. And moisture, water, is part of it. And again, we're about to go through the tail of a comet, which is? A big ice ball. Big, giant ice ball. Dirty snowball. Big, giant, dirty snowball. Wait, Jeremy, how could anything grow outside the window? Like, it, uh, well, I mean, that, many that, questions emerge here. Oh, I, I went down a rabbit hole at NASA yesterday on this going, I got something for Jeremy. <laughs> well, what are the what are the th what are your immediate thoughts? I'm curious. What well, I'm here. I'm curious to hear Alan's take on yeah, this so since I, he's been I, down the rabbit hole. I, I, I'm going to report back on this a little later, but I just I just one of those. We're getting ready to go through the tail of a comet. Big, dirty snowball, and we are already discovering more interesting things about water and space than we've ever thought of before. And the fact that there might be water on the moon, there might be water on Mars, there might be a lot of water on Mars, we don't know. Well, there's, there's, there's strong evidence to suggest that there was water on Mars in the distant past just because of the erosion features. Mm, but it has ice caps. So, therefore, it has water. Yeah. Mostly, well, mostly carbon dioxide ice caps. But... but 
you know, that's it could easily. So yeah, it's we're, we're we're getting into a very fascinating intergalactic neighborhood exploration here. Sure. I, I'm Jeremy. I'm sort of uh, surprised you're not my, either more horrified or intrigued by that. <laughs> Am I wrong? I didn't think plankton or something could just grow on us on the in space. Neither did I, anybody I, else. Well, right. so, I mean, do you just not care about exo or uh, <laughs> exobiology? Exobiology? Or <laughs> oh, I always care, here? and I'm always intrigued. But I, but like with all things scientific, I take a very skeptical and careful approach, and it's important to do the research mm -hmm. before. Well, yeah, the, the verdict is definitely out as to what is going on, but the fact that it's happening, period, is just Have utterly fascinating. Did they scrape some samples of this stuff? Did they do like a... Yeah, that, they're working on that now. I just, one of these little, little, you know, you, this you is gotta, a real story, Alan? Yes, you got to okay. follow. Yeah, this is those little, well, you always have the main line story, and then you have all the little offshoots of things that this domino is tripping other dominoes. And I always look for that little footnote at the bottom that goes, oh, yeah, and by the way, we saw one of these. Huh. And you 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 follow that rabbit hole down, and you're kind of like, okay, things are about to get very interesting. All right. Well, hey, Jeremy, while we got you, can I throw something at you that I think is a little more relevant? Well, not relevant, <laughs> a little more relevant. Well, not relevant, but at least there might be answers for this. Um, one great thing, if you get involved with the Memphis Astronomical Society, which, by the way, it's free. The meetings are free. You can. Um, it's a really interesting community. You guys go on all sorts of uh, observing sessions. You guys host events at Shelby Farms and everything like that. So the other good thing is you guys keep us ahead of the curve. And back in the day, I want to say this was, what, maybe four or five years ago, you had a guest speaker telling us all about the James Webb Telescope. This was while they were still building it, and now it's finally been deployed what what's the latest on the James Webb telescope? Because that's the one I'm really excited about. So, yeah, we had a speaker actually back in January. He's a professor at the University of Memphis who has reserved time on the James Webb Space Telescope and oh, his area nice. of research mm. is. In Can you bring him in here? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. You should. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, and he well, he got 29 hours of reserved time on the James Webb. Oh, his area of research, is, you know, in uh, active galactic nuclei and. It's still kind of the chicken-egg argument as far as how galaxies are forming. Mm -hmm. But without getting into too many details, it's fully deployed. We've seen some first light, and June, I think, is the date when it it, it, it finally goes online. So they're we're a they're still running away. the diagnostics and they're everything. The there have been some sample images that yeah. have uh, been promising. So. I thought they said that it's working almost better than they anticipated. Is that right? I mean, I, I, I've heard that they haven't run into any snags and that it's... It's really schedule, remarkable how well yeah. it's gone, given that you're deploying a telescope nearly a million miles away yeah. at one of the Lagrangian points. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for as well as it's gone, you know, it's the, there's going to be a whole new level of, of research and a new window that opens up on the universe from this. Because we're looking back so far into time that we're seeing galaxies in the early stages of the universe that, that the Hubble simply couldn't reach. And the light has been to the point where it's it's now in the infrared portion of the spectrum. Yeah. That's what James Webb is, is mainly going to do. Because it's picking up, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's detecting things that the Hubble couldn't detect and everything. And just the notion, when I heard that it's 100 times more powerful, that still just blows my mind. When you look at how powerful the Hubble was and to think that it's it just, you know, yeah. Makes that look like an antique. Well, I'll, I'll really school bus versus a tennis court. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll blow your mind again and tell you that all of the technology sitting up there is the web. 
within a year will also be completely out of date as we move forward into the next round of technologies. Pretty cool, man. So it's, it's, it's an astounding, exciting time. astounding yeah. time well, to be observing. Jeremy, once again, tell us how to get in touch with the, the Memphis Astronomical Society and uh, to follow all your adventures. So. MemphisAstro.org is our website. We're also on YouTube, Memphis Astron Society. We've got a Facebook group, too, Memphis Astron Society. We've got a Facebook group. And if you're local to Memphis, May the 6th, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Mosh Planetarium, Free and open to the general public. Yeah, we got to work on that acronym. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pink Palace. I don't Memphis. You, what I don't is it? Think the you Memphis. Have any say in it, Joe? I, I, the Museum <laughs> of Science and History. But I, well, I think we all prefer Pink way. Palace. Yeah. Well, in Chicago, it's known as the Museum of Science and Industry. We can do that here. Yeah, it's but not... Chicagoites, you Chicagoites, you always do things wrong way and backwards. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started on the Cubs. It's hey, called Jeremy, the Windy City for a reason. We'll be there. And by the way, the wind they, is between their ears. They uh, they they serve great snacks there. I don't know if they still do it there, but anyway. Anyway, you're listening to uh, Geek Tank Radio here at News Talk 98.9, The Roar of Memphis. We're going to take a quick break and then visit the uh, Geek Tank Radio mailbag. Geek Tank Radio. Wait, are you saying there's a final fight full of CGI where the hero fights a bad guy who has similar powers? Yeah, I guess so. Now that is a Marvel third act. I love it. News Talk 98.9, The Roar of Memphis. Yeah, truer words were never spoken. And welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max behind the glass and our pal Jeremy Veldman, the director of the uh, Memphis Astronomical Society. Uh, he's sticking around. We, we're moving on, though, Jeremy, from our space news. Mm. We're bringing you into our world now. So <laughs> I'm um, intrigued. Yeah. So, Brandon, it looks like this. Somebody else has uh, weighed in on the mailbag. Mail here. That means we get to see our old friend, Mailbox. Forgot about that one. I don't know. Max just loves this stuff. I, uh, <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, look, okay. this one didn't trigger you, right? Well, no. This is a proper... Th this, this didn't trigger me because it was, like I said, at the uh, earlier in the show, it, it was actually labeled, question. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I guess they didn't want me yelling into the mic. Yeah. It does get a little crackly. Okay. All right. So this one was coming from a unsigned email. And, you know, the fact that it doesn't actually have a, a signature at the bottom, like all emails. I'm all right. Cool. I can't give you I can't give you passes. I don't know who you are. Right. Anyway, uh, dear GTR, for the last five years or so, I've been going to all the conventions here in the Mid-South. But now I'd like to start traveling to some. If you could only pick one out of the state convention to go to, which one would it be? Hmm. Now, of course, we'll we'll do we'll go around the table and say we can it. each weigh and, in. And right. I'm gonna say, whatever whatever convention you go to, you know, it, it's gonna be based on what your your fandom, you know, central fandom will be. Because if you're gonna spend money on gas, central fandom will be. Because if you're gonna spend money on gas and everything and lodging, right. you might or as well make airplane. sure you're gonna have a good time. Yeah. So, I'm gonna recommend though that you find a smaller con. You know, everybody's like, oh, you go to San Diego, go to Dragon Con, go to this, go to that. No, not, really? not for your first out of state. I'm going to tell you to find something smaller. Like, I mean, even something, you know, maybe just an expo for your first one. Wow. If, outside of the Mid-South. Because you're going to want to take in everything. And if you've only been to the ones here in town or just around us, you're not ready for Dragon Con. 
No. See, I, no. you know, you're not, you're not dragon, ready for Dragon Con. Now, in a couple of years after you hit some of these smaller ones, after you hit like a couple of like the anime uh, you know, cons in the Middle Tennessee and stuff like that, then go for Dragon Con. You'll be a seasoned pro and you'll be prepared because Dragon Con, which is my choice for your, your eventual ends. See, I okay. Go ahead. I, I'll let you. I, it's funny how we all probably will come at this well, from a different angle because I well, the couldn't truth, disagree more. But well, go ahead. Yeah. That's it's okay. You're yeah. you're allowed to be wrong. It's yeah. it's pretty much your mm-hmm. stick with the show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but Dragon Con it takes place over what is it Labor Day weekend? Yes. Alan? Yes. It's it's a it's Five a four days. and a half day event because it's an exercise in sustainability yeah yeah Yeah. you've got to have like the full-on i could do this all day captain america attitude Mm -hmm. to do dragon con but it is something you're gonna look like him when he says that at the end of this thing it really is a it's one of those things as a geek i think that every geek should experience Uh. the full dragon con experience at least once but i know a lot of people are going to tell you san diego don't go to san diego they're just going to take your money it's a bad con I knew, I knew we'd, I knew it, it, I'm just, I'm just three minutes in, I'm like, somebody's going to bash San Diego. Well, I had, I saw that. Come all, to well, I had, I saw that. Coming, all it, so, I mean, yeah. the thing is, is that all it is, you know, they, you, is I stand in line for 14 hours to get into a panel that I'm probably not going to get into because of the, you know, capacity. So I can see three minutes of uh, digital footage that um, is going to be on YouTube in two hours. Right. Okay. And everything there is so expensive. Now, Brandon, okay, I could possibly agree with your perspective, if but you missed a crucial thing. She's uh, he or she said they've been going for five years to all the conventions here, here in, in the, the mid south. Well, that's that's but you a lot of but experience if, no, and it's no, a lot Joe, of variety. Joe, you're 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 missing the point here. When you start going to conventions outside of the mid south, you're going to come into a culture shock. Because while every small convention, you could say it's like, well, you're going to expect this. There's going to be a cosplay contest. There's going to be, you know, an artist alley. There's going to be a vendor room. You may know those things, but you also want you also want to experience the town around said convention because that's part of the travel experience. And it's only once you're used to what you need to do as far as things you need to pack, things you need to be prepared for, weather changes and everything else like that. Then you can go to a five-day cultural event of geekdom Hmm. because we're talking a place that takes over multiple hotels. And I'm not talking about just your rooms. I mean, the con itself at Dragon Con takes over multiple hotels. And you've got a parade. I mean, Hmm. a genuine geek parade on the Saturday morning, which in and of itself is an experience. Hmm. Alan, I I got – well, I'm curious what your thoughts are because – I'm. I don't really agree with Brandon, but uh, no. And, and, but okay, but well. but I think part of it is. Well, go go ahead, Brad. I'll I'll, I'll give you my opinion in a second. But but yeah, I, I'm always yeah. interested in your perspective because uh, having probably done more conventions, probably done more conventions than yeah. any one human being should ever do in their lives. You were doing um, like thirty a year. At I one was point. doing thirty a year for a number of years. Yeah. Of now, my perspective is a little different, but. One, pick a con whose theme you want. Right. Mm-hmm. Different cons, different themes. Of Take a look at who their guests are going to be. Are you interested in these guests or no? If you're not, eh, then you're, you're, you're going to have a meh time. 
do you now you've been going to cons for five years in Memphis. Where are your friends going? Are your friends going yeah, over to Little Rock? Some of them are travel. they going to yeah. Nashville? Are they going to Louisville? Are they sneaking down to New Orleans? Of where are the friends going? Now, for just a I want to go hang at another con, I know this is going to come as a terrible shot. It has a lot to do with my choices. Well, okay, <clears throat> that's fine. See, Experiencing we are, we the town. I, I'm, I am all about now, if you just want to go, if you just want to have a chilled and groovy con experience, I'm going to say go south. Go to Biloxi or go to New Orleans. Go to Coast Con or go to ContraFlow. Uh, two, two of my favorite all the times, and they're very similar to MCFC and MidSouthCon. So you're not going to get a lot of culture shock, but you're going to run into a different con crowd that goes to drastically different conventions a little further out. Now, if you're more of a bookworm, head up to Louisville. If you want a smaller con, go to Nashville. But the big thing is, Kind of go where your people are. You've been going to cons in Memphis. I promise they go to someplace else too. Uh, what kind of groups are you with? Are you with the SCA? Are you with Amp Guard? What kind of groups are you with? Are you with the SCA? Are you with Amp Guard? Are you a hardcore gamer? Big time influences to what convention I would go to next. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. So for me, yeah. if I'm just looking for the next chilled and groovy event, kind of like the Memphis events are, Memphis events are not strenuous. No. Mid-South Con, Anime Blues, MCFC are all, Shadow Con are all very well organized and, and function pretty good. They're relaxing con. The, and you as the guest get to go wander around to panels and hang out with people and maybe bump into a celebrity at the bar or at the restaurant or in the elevator. So if you want mm -hmm. that same experience, I'm going to say, eh, you know, hey, meh, run on down to uh, New Orleans, run on down to uh, Biloxi, have a wonderful going to the yeah. coast experience. I, I don't I don't recommend going to Biloxi. <laughs> like I said earlier, Experiencing the town is the, a the, the very drive part. in and the drive out yeah. is part of the absolute part of the part of the party. Yeah, Have you know, give yourself a little time. You know, it's funny you say that because I've heard that I, you know, I've people that come to Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention. We've had some. They go, yeah, we drove in from yeah, Kansas City, or we yeah. did. You know what though? They never make it to Graceland. They never make it to Beale Street. They stay at the convention the whole week. They go eat at Chili's for or something. So you can say. I, I don't know. I, I she's not uh, he well, or she is not asking for vacation well, advice. They're of, talking about conventions. One so, of the things that I'm going to tell know. you about a lot of those people who have driven down from Kansas City to go to yeah. MCFC, they've been to Memphis multiple times. They yeah. didn't just hear about MCFC and go, you know what? I'm going to go to Memphis. No, that they they've been to Memphis a time or well, two. They've hit Graceland. They've hit the Peabody. They've hit Beale Street. Past uh, celebrities yep. have even posted entire shows. Past uh, celebrities yep. have even posted entire shows. Scott J. Carroll did his entire bit on his discovery of a Memphis barbecue restaurant while visiting yeah. Memphis conventions. Well, I'm going to say this. I I would my approach for this if they're just asking is I would go for 
Dragon Con. That's yeah, that was well, going to be mean, my first choice because you're going to pick up your sword. Yeah. And well, let's charge just put it this way. One thing we'll all agree on: you are a Gryffindor. You will stupidly run into things you are not prepared for. <laughs> because uh, whoever you are, dear listener, the Dragon Con, you won't have enough time to do everything you want. It's oh, just no. as simple as no. that. Oh, which no. I prefer. I would like to say, well, okay, Oof. I can do this. I can meet these twenty celebrities. I can do this panel. You know, but you're. I I would prefer that than to exhaust. The whole convention in, in one hour because I walked around. And oh, there's, the Artist know, Alley yeah. at Dragon Con is a two-day event by itself. No, no, we no, all no, agree, no. though, that we would take Dragon Con any day over San Diego Comic well, Con. It's like, you know, we've spoken with, you know, comic professionals when they're when they're in town. Uh, you know, we've, we've, got a, we've got a convention here in town that is strictly about comic professionals. Right. Yeah. That's the MCX. Right. You know, uh, we, uh, you know we've got... You know, Mid South Con, which has a bevy of guests, and you know, most of these are multi genre. It's yeah. multi genre. It's award winning individuals. Uh, you've got Anime Blues here, which you know they bring in all the anime crowd, and that includes all the insanity that goes with the anime mm. crowd, and it's so much fun. Highest it's, energy you know, convention. It really now. is. Yeah. MCFC. We're a little more low key, but we're just like you know, we we give you a well rounded thing, and we do things a little bit different than everybody else, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. keeps us you know uh, a little more. Uh, surprising sometimes. Well, you get you get a you similar know. but yet different right. enough experience from each of the different conventions yeah. in Memphis that makes us all interesting. And I'm going to go ahead and say this, and this I'm not trying to bash you, but if you're only fine to bash you, but if you're only five years into the Mid South conventions, you haven't hit all the conventions because the Mid South is not just Memphis. You know, you branch out a little bit. You go mm. into some of the like the like ones Little Rock's close. Like we've got we've oh, got two below. We got a con coming up in uh, you know August uh, over in Jonesboro. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a con coming up later this year. Uh, I don't know what the exact dates are. That's up in Covington. Oh yeah, Covington. Yep. Covington. Yep. Our buddies. Uh, uh, we've fact, got we've got Superhero Day today in Silver, yep. Tennessee. Yep. We've got we've got various friends who uh, you know run a convention. I think he's Chris Terrio still runs a convention down in. Uh, it's just in Mississippi. Tupelo. It's in Tupelo. Mm -hmm. It's and it's yeah. I wanted to add one caveat because I've, mm. I've my plans are to get to this convention one day. I've always wanted to go to Star Trek Las Vegas because I've heard if you're a Trek oh, fan oh, that there's just that's a really good no, one. No, well, no, no. There's there it's is, the right size. It's got, there. There is know. there is first off, in Vegas is going to have that little extra mm -hmm. push that's going to go. Oh, that is so awesome! I can't believe they did that. You know, that's because they did take a lot of people's money in order to do it. Yeah, but. I would. I think you would have a blast. Yeah, at Star I've been Trek Vegas. To, yeah, it's in August, you know, which um, so it's all going to be inside because it's 120 degrees out. But uh, yes, it is a but, desert. But I've always it's some somehow just schedules never line up. But I want I want to yeah. really try to do that. Um, but uh, I will say that my secondary, if you're going to go to a big convention, my secondary outside of Dragon Con is uh, New York Comic Con at the Javits mm, Center. So that's a good because I've yeah. heard. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like. It's, it's more, like San Diego yeah. without all the pretension. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, and I'm not, talk, I'm not throwing any, I'm not throwing any shade on San Diego as a city. San Diego is beautiful, and it's oh, if it's you get my a favorite chance, place in America. If you get a chance to yeah. visit San Diego, you should definitely visit San Diego. If you really want to go to you know San Diego Comic Con, San Diego. If you really want to go to you know San Diego Comic Con, and you are lucky enough to get your tickets before the website crashes, mm. yeah. <laughs> okay. do it. Just so you have the story. Yeah. Well, hey, while we got Jeremy here, Jeremy, let me ask you something. Do you go to um, 
conferences like space conferences and things like that uh, that are similar to conventions or I, I know you're you're a geek but you're not quite as hardcore as us but uh, what are your thoughts about some of this well I'm more a star party guy not okay. a con mm. man like you guys are <laughs> but um so, okay yeah. um, <laughs> there are remote star parties around the country in dark sky locations if you're into the observing aspect of astronomy the best one I've been to really the only one is is Oki as we speak, there's one in Texas called the Texas Star Party. Texas has several of them, El Dorado. There's one in Nebraska. There's one in Florida in the mm. winter. So if you want to go south, get away from the cold weather, and do it's, it's, it's booked like two years in advance. But in the Jeez. world of astronomy, there are not only conventions, but uh, also star parties. Yeah. Is there any overlap to uh, – because – I've always been interested in going to a UFO conference, and I th I just think it would be interesting because, I mean, UFOs are – you you could have r rational scientific people mixed with the, the Sasquatch crowd, well, and I think that would be an interesting <laughs> Why you got to bring this up when I'm between you and Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, you can't – a UFO is a legitimate thing. It's it, You just don't know what it is. Oh, absolutely. Versus, you know, speculation that it's, you know, somebody – I'm just wondering, is there any interest for – would you ever want to go to one? I, I, I think would, be, yeah. yeah. There, there are. I'd have to research it yeah. more. But, yeah, a UFO conference would be kind of fascinating because you get both aspects of it. You get the, the sci-fi, which can – the imagination is a good thing. Let it run wild. But then the science part of it kind of reins you back in. There's a reason why they're called unidentified flying right. objects. There's multiple explanations. The reason why they're called unidentified flying right. objects. There's multiple explanations. Yeah. But the little green yeah. men in flying saucers is pretty intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and uh, to tie this in with what we said, because, boy, we really beat this subject into the ground, but, Brandon, <laughs> one thing I would highly recommend, no matter who, you know, no matter what you choose, research the event uh, thoroughly, and, yeah. like, it's always a good idea to go on yeah. YouTube, because, for example, uh, Brandon, I was interested in going to Roswell. I've always thought I'd like to go to their UFO event. It's always around the 4th of July, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to plan on doing this because yeah. my daughter moved to New Mexico and I thought mm, we could drive a couple okay. hours, go see it. Well, I researched it, and when I got the brutal honesty of what it actually is like, it's not that great. It's like they said, it's like a street fair. They have a parade that lasts about eight minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, you buy some souvenirs. It's 100 and something degrees, and it's over. And I'm like, well... It kind of broke my heart a little bit, but I would hate to. <laughs> what are they going to do? Go give you a tour of the base? Well, it's I don't know. Tour of the base? Well, it's I don't know. I'm happen. just saying. I would imagine Roswell would be like the king of conventions or the king Dude, of well, whatever. Well, but the it's reason, not. The thing is, there's a like, bar out there yeah, in the middle of nowhere the, in Rachel, Nevada. Yeah, the thing. I'm just saying. That's why I do the your thing research. About, the thing yeah. about Roswell is that they've got you know visitors <laughs> that come through. All the time. If you want to get your UFO souvenirs at Roswell, you can do it on a random Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. But New Mexico in and of itself is a it's a oh, it's beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I would definitely take in any uh, any UFO themed whatever while you're there visiting. Right. But, yeah, it's like it, just go because it's cool to go. Don't go on the 4th of July because uh, as much as we give you grief, I like having you around and I don't need you dying of uh, dehydration. <laughs> Well, the, the, you know, and, and one last uh, anecdote, I, I once, um, I've always wanted to go to a Star Trek convention and my son knows this. He was, uh, he went with us and, uh, I, there was a r great guest. They had about five really big names. The, the guy that plays Tuvok, I always forget yeah. his name. Mm -hmm. And I'm based on that. I was envisioning this giant convention with all sorts of action. You know, well, I got there, we drove four hours to get there and it turned, there was like 300 people there. 
the vendor room had literally eight vendor booths. Mm. Yeah. And and there was one auditorium where they spoke, and that was it. We did the convention in about 20 minutes, and I was yeah. like, well, I, based yeah. on the website and based on everything I saw, it should have been a huge event. So yeah. I'm just saying, well, just please do your research. One thing, yeah, you know, one thing. It's know. like if they've got a Facebook page, go through and check comments from past, you know, yeah. uh, conventions. If somebody, you know, tells you that, you know, it yeah, you know, I, I paid $45 for a three-day event, and, uh, you know, I was done in an hour. Right. Don't go. Yeah, yeah, and that, that happens, no. folks. We hate to say it, so. Well, um, no. Unless it's mine. My, yeah, I'm, like, I'm going to yeah. throw out there also, you know, you mentioned the UFO things. Expand your territory a little bit. I promise you. Okay. Throw out there also, you know, you mentioned the UFO things. Expand your territory a little bit. I promise you there is a festival, expo, or convention on any topic out there period yeah. it's true and we're in spring so i got news for you guys there's a lot of agricultural stuff going on between now and halloween if you haven't been on a pumpkin ride start looking into them come around september if you haven't been to a strawberry festival go check it out no 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 you have to be tempered to do a strawberry festival. There's a lot of free-flowing booze at a strawberry we, I, festival. I'm just, I'm just saying that, you know, there's a, there well, is they're fun. an event. I promise you, if you look right now, especially around the Mid-South or wherever you're at, if you get serious and go look around, there is an event almost every single weekend on some topic somewhere near you. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, and guys, and show up at Mid-South Con, show up at ShadowCon, you know, I didn't know Memphis did this. I've worked, I've lived here 25 years. Oh my gosh, so, yes. So, dude, if, you, if you're interested in stuff like that, put the word out through your social media or anything else, or, you know, your, your friendly geeks. Somebody will know where you need to go. Okay. Yep. Well, let's just leave it at this. Let's just say if, you, uh, if you're going to go out of town and maybe you're just going to swing for the fences, our mm. recommendation, go to, go to Dragon Con. Don't go to San Diego. Go yes. to San Diego one day if you feel like it. Because, you, like you said, you can go visit San Diego. Yes. But if you're talking about strictly the convention experience, I think we all agree Dragon Con's pretty awesome. You know, yeah. if Ugh. you want that mega, Man, it's, mega it's a, experience. It's, an experience. So, yeah. it's like my, my bucket list includes Star Wars Celebration. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 See, that's another one. But that's too. just because I'm a big nerd. Yeah. But that moves from state to state. Yeah. It's, so it, you don't it roams. Know. And that, yeah. Anyway. Hey, guys, before we, uh, before we get out of here, though, it behooves us. Uh, we lost a. Uh, Legendary comic book artist, the uh, legendary comic book artist uh, this week or what, what a couple of days ago, he, Neil it Adams. Was yesterday. Who uh, yesterday? Okay, well, I mean, and uh, it, it, let's just be honest. He's a, a bit of a controversial figure in the sense that he likes to say what's on his mind. Which yeah, yeah, he's sometimes he's, rubs people. The he's wrong he's way, not known for but, holding his tongue, but he has he defined a generation of comic art. He did. Specifically, you know, what are we talking like oh, the late 60s and then no, on? No, no. 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 Neil, Neil's he, most influenced he, I remember from was the 80s yeah, with Batman He's and the one who gave us the quintessential Batman look. Well, he, he got us out of the big, campy thing. You know, big, right? Well, he didn't. The writer did. He's right. the artist, though, that gave you the amazing, uh, you know, and still to this day, really standard looks for Batman, the Joker, the Penguin, you know, Robin. You know, these are, these are characters that... They really found their footing in his art. Okay. And then, of course, yeah. the X-Men. You know, it's like, 
havoc and and, and Wolberg was probably done with Denny O'Neill. Now Denny O'Neill, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, I've now, always now, loved his now writing. Now Denny, Denny he is doesn't very seem as controversial. No, Denny no. is very important though in in getting Batman out of the camp, as you said. Yeah, good, you know, but yeah. uh, but he he's done a lot for he, the, the world of comics, so he's definitely going to be missed. So, if you, you know. if you follow any artists or comic writers on social media, you have probably seen posts in the past day or so where they tell you how much they were inspired inspired. By Neil Adams' art, absolutely. So, um, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of tributes out there, but uh, he he will be missed. So, well, guys, our first hour is uh, in the can. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, we've got some digital content when the uh, you know when it when it's posted and you check us out, you'll see uh, you know the the bonus content. So, there's always a good reason to go to Spotify and YouTube and check out all of our past shows. But it's time to get out of here. So, until next week, we are the Geek Patrol, and I am Joe Thorderson. I'm Alan Gilbreth. Jeremy Veldman, Memphis Astronomical Society. Yeah. <laughs> and I am Brandon Olmstead, reminding you to always, reminding you to always look for any convention and try them out because you never know what you're going to find. Absolutely. It's worth the exploration. Geek Tank Radio, News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Welcome to Geek Tank Radio. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. And uh, we got sort of an interesting... Guys, now, I, I already know what's going to happen here. We've you got, were going to ruin your intro when it was going so smoothly? No, no. By stopping mid-sentence? Well, the problem is we're going <laughs> to... Uh, we've got something that we're going to introduce in the show <laughs> coming up in a minute. And it's basically... <laughs> It's people are gonna. It's they're gonna think it's gonna be a depressing show, but I think it's gonna be very op optimistic and uplifting. So I'm already um, trying to, you know, I don't know yeah. what, uh, you know, just uh, well, he manage expectations. I know. Well, that's amazing. It's, it's, no, it's it's not new. <laughs> well, we're gonna talk about how suffering can inspire great art if you mm -hmm. harness it correctly, yeah. yep. and how much great art has has come out of human suffering. Well, I mean, and the interconnection me and Alan between do amazing us. each week, and, and you know, it's like yeah. But we could tell you some horror stories about the way our week went. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and we've got other things that we're probably not gonna tease because we don't want we want the conversation to be organic. But but what? Mm. But uh, that's one word. But for I'm gonna. It. Go ahead and let you guys know Joe's holding a script. No, no. But before we get to that, you guys, we we all agree Moon Knight. Well, Moon Knight's what triggered this idea for, mm. for this other segment. Right. But um, Moon Knight Episode 5 came out. There's only one left. And uh, we, we're going to deal in spoilers here. We're going to talk about Moon Knight, you guys, right now. So if you haven't seen it, please please don't it, listen until you have. Because If it's, you don't know that he's crazy... Mm, well, you weren't, you weren't a fan to you start weren't paying with. Attention. Where do we yeah. want to start? Because this reminds me a lot of WandaVision where all of a sudden there's all these complex layers and especially the last two episodes have really just given us a, a whole new perspective on the character and, you know, so... Um, who wants to start? Because because I don't know as much. Because I don't know as much. The only thing I know about Moon Knight is what I'm seeing here on Disney Plus. I right, I don't well, know all the backstory. I'm gonna We're start, gonna start with Tarret. Yes, we are. I'm gonna start with the shout out to so far the best CGI I think I have ever seen in a semi stationary character. <laughs> yeah, because. The hippo god shows up, and, you know, oddly, this is also such a bizarre series that there wasn't the slightest moment of disbelief that a hippo god was going to show up. 
And I don't I know much about say, the hippo god, I, I, like I, I gotta in say terms this. of real Egyptian culture. Well, I'm going to look at Brandon, and I'm going to say, Brandon, when the little ears flapped and wiggled, oh, that was it for me. I was, I, I was done. I was done. <laughs> I, I was, I was looking at that. Was I was like, all right, whoever did this particular piece of CGI, here's your applause, and I hope you win an award for this. Huh? The, okay. All right, well, okay. one, the character was presented very well, just just right out of the gate. Two, the character looked fabulous. Yes. Three, the character had an attitude that was perfect for the series. Because, I mean, there's a thousand ways. You know, a different voice, a different set of mannerisms could have totally, totally changed everything you saw on screen. Well, there's always that one character that when they're on screen, they have all the attention. They steal they steal the scene. I don't know. An eight-foot-tall hippo wearing Egyptian garb is probably going to steal the scene. Right. Uh, the fact that the ears flapped, and it was just so happy to be there. And the papyrus index cards. Oh, and it just, the attention to detail, and you knew whoever did all of the work on these characters you know there was a lot of research and a lot of giggling. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of, when do you see this? Wait till we pull this off. Yeah. I, I've got to watch the episode again just to see all of the little trinkets and baubles that I missed. See, but, okay. So I, I'm totally, completely I, sold with just this one character, its introduction, and its presentation, because it's a purely CGI character. Well, I was more interested in in Moon. I was actually much more interested in Moon Knight's dynamic. Oh. When you start realizing, is any of this happening? What's real? It's kind of well, like the oh, Joker yeah. Now movie. we can talk no, about no, no. the what's show. Now that I'm done and what's with imaginary, the imaginary? You know, you know what I still love is that the Great One, who is a she, it's the goddess of protection of mother and child during pregnancy and childbirth, is now their guide into an afterlife. Wait. Okay, yes. that's I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's what suggestive now that we know because the backstory. Now that we know that the the creation of Stephen yes. comes from abuse from the mother. Yes. Because while it may not have been a you know, a traditional pregnancy, we did see the birth of Stephen mm -hmm. in one of the flashbacks here. Quick question. Is this is this the same origin in the comics? Like is this did his brother you know, uh, basically he took his uh, brother exploring no, well, in a cave. See, his he brother drowned, drowns. No, no, because his brother actually became the Shadow Knight, which is a villain. So this is And a, eventually Mark okay. had to kill his brother. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, He's uh, got a lot of so, This so, was but less I mean, disturbing than the actual comic book. But right. it, as a kid, he accidentally caused the death of his brother because he took him into a cave. And, he took him you know, into so a cave. And that's then trauma the, the, alone. The, you know, the, the tides came in and, and it filled that cave with water and, you know, yeah. his brother drowned in, in the show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, you can see you can see everybody's point of view here. You see the mother's point point of view here. You see the mother's point of view of she, that traumatized her, but right. still she took it way too far, you know. Yeah. But uh, well, th that this this show, if nothing else, is an allegory for making sure that you and your loved ones that you you do focus on making sure that people are you know self care and and you know if they're having mental health issues, you don't just go oh it's just grief they'll get over it. Sometimes you need to look into things like that because she became abusive, right? You know, in, in her grief. But if they had, you know, back in the, you know, nowadays, you, you know, you someone's showing postpartum depression or the loss of a child, they they go into a funk. You can get them help. 
You right. can try to help them. Yeah, there was a time even I, I can remember yeah. this as a kid where you don't dis, you didn't discuss mental health. You just sort of, you know, were stoic no. and whatever. I'm glad today at least people talk about it. I so. kind of wanted to backtrack a little bit. The aspect that I really um, got out of this episode was um, like the whole afterlife journey and everything like I think like I like the I, I like when they have like these those sorts of episodes where going in through the afterlife is sort of a reconciliation with one's past like the idea of like the hippo goddess and everything it helps with like childbirth and everything is sort of a reconciliation of Steven's past or I kind of want to even allude to how it made me think of like a really good um, a, a recommendation for a short watch for people is this short DC little thing for the Sandman series about death visiting this one um, a starving artist. If you're talking oh, about yeah. an episode that reconciles someone at death and everything, that's definitely the place to go. That's a bonus feature on one of the uh, Wonder Woman, the, the latest Wonder Woman animated. That is a great. Lines. I think it's called Death. So you can find it on YouTube too. Yeah, but but um, there it was. Well, basically, it was a very rich episode. All of us are yeah. zooming in on well, I mean, one and, aspect. And so. and and you know, we we saw you know that how all that eventually also led to the falling out between Mark and his dad. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Because you no, know, as a child, you can only take that so much, and before right. it feels like, well, you're making excuses for her. Right. You know, Mark would never. You know, as as at that point in his life, Mark could never have felt, other than the fact that he was sad about his brother and he felt responsible. You know, he wouldn't. You know, the, the, it's like, I didn't mean this. You know, can we work through this? He's not going to get grasp that at that age, and he's never. He's never going to realize what it was like to lose a child until he has. Yeah. And there's plenty of people who have lost a child and and they'll tell you one of the first things you do is you lash out at everything. Sure. You know. Yeah, it's got to be traumatic. I can't yeah. even imagine. But it it does show too the uh, the effect of childhood trauma and and it, you know, it doesn't even have to be anything that dramatic. Sometimes you might have a, a an experience as a kid. Yeah. Maybe an adult yelled at you or maybe just something well, happened. It it leaves a mark on a kid that sticks with them their whole life so one of the i mean and and it's actually a very common uh and and it's actually a very common uh you know theme in in today's entertainment uh we just you know you know recently disney released encanto which is a which is a story about generational trauma yeah trying to live up to what you know your elders think you need to do can traumatize someone just as badly as that you know slapping them around or or you know treating them like they're nothing yeah or even arthur harrow he said that i um uh, he was like your suffering forged me i owe my victory to you conchu right mm-hmm. right which um i had so many questions too brand i don't know if it's you know we're dealing yeah. in spoilers here but uh yeah Ar- he's he's becoming maybe my favorite villain i love this guy arthur uh you know he's he's very dynamic well, because he thinks he's a hero. I let, love well, that. Let's let's aspect. talk about the skill well, being brought to the table by the actor. Well, before, but but also well, though, I'm know, I'm curious about why he puts gl- broken glass in his shoes. His own suffering. I, his shoes. His own suffering. I I, I get you know, that. But, so he's but, doing repentance. No, right? no but yeah, right. But Alan, you're absolutely right. Ethan Hawke is just knocking it he's out awesome. of the heart. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm watching this and I'm going. I don't know where they kept you in the fridge for a couple of years to keep you from using any ounce of talent on something else, but this has been astounding. And they're giving him good dialogue and everything. Oh but yeah, he's gosh. he's great. Yeah, so. too many too many things that Ethan Hawks have been in have been just like that we see him and that he gets focused on. It's it's things like you know sinister and and 
uh, The Purge. Mm. But meanwhile, if you check out some of his more smaller dramatic roles, things that don't oh. even get you know uh, you know theatrical releases. He's just an amazing actor. He was great back in the Dead Poet Society when, yes, when he first started. Just yeah. completely. I mean, yeah. I'm, well, I mean, I love some of these shows where they are taking some of these truly amazingly talented people, and they are really, honestly, you can tell the director and them sat down and went, all right, how are we going to do this? How yeah. are we, we going to get this done? And then unleashing... Yeah. Some talent. And I mean, this yeah. has been through some of the superhero, the bigger movies, but this has been really on the forefront, especially between like Moonlight, uh, of course, right. uh, Wanda, yeah. the whole Wanda yeah. thing, The Mandalorian. You, you can always tell when they've picked up a heavy hitter yeah. and they just give them something and just let them. Pounded. And and I mean I don't I don't want to praise the mouse too much because the, you know they're not paying me yet but um, yeah the, they, it's hard the, to say bad one, things at one this thing, point one yeah. things one thing that you have to give them no matter how you feel about what Disney has done with things you know in the past I know certain people don't aren't a big fan of the Disney Star Wars films you know right yeah but when it comes to their shows especially the stuff on Disney Plus they know writers room now whoever Oof. puts that room together they know what they're doing. Um, but I want to take a step back uh, with with Harrow and with Ethan Hawke's performance. It would be so easy for someone to just kind of let this go roll. Yeah, well, they could have called it, it well, in. This is almost a phone-in role. Well, the thing and about it, it is, it's based on the way that this character is acting. There's nothing sinister about what he's doing no. outside of how you may perceive him because you're on the other side. Yeah, but that's the thing. I don't even think he's a, a villain. Everything, really. everything about what he's doing, it, he, you know, it is. It's, it's very much. And this is something Marvel is really good about. Um, you know, DC will give you your stark. We are evil. We are villain. Right. Marvel hits you with that guy who is a sympathetic villain, like Ugh. Magneto. You know, Doctor Octopus. Doctor, even to a degree, uh, Victor Von Doom. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's like. You can see the active, and they can make you sympathize with them, even when you know that Killmonger. what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. Killmonger is a really yeah. good an, yeah. uh, example of it. You completely again, understand where he's coming from. You don't like where yeah. he's going, but you understand again, where he's coming from, right? With Killmonger, I think a lot of that plays through because Michael B. Jordan is just such a phenomenal actor that he can get you to that place where you're like, I, I mean, kind of like you. It's <laughs> even like though you're, I, yeah, it's like yeah. I don't like the way you're getting to where you're going. But I'll see you at the destination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand it. So, so, yeah. I'm so oh, my gosh, you know the the huge hats off, and I hope somebody is paying attention to the acting jobs. Yeah, that these I'm going to yeah. quote unquote fluff series are doing because these are not true dramas. But if you're watching this, yeah. this is a hardcore drama. I think I honestly think, and and just putting it out there to Disney, you know, this is a free idea. I honestly think doing a retro, doing a retrospective series where you take these Marvel actors who have played the villainous but not necessarily villainous roles, the, these actors who put so much of their heart and soul into these roles, you know, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Ethan right. Hawke now in Moon Knight, uh, freaking uh, Elizabeth Olsen in WandaVision because she's both the mm. hero and the villain. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah, you can say it's like, well, you know, Agatha. No. She did as, a lot of bad stuff. As much as she did a lot show, of bad yeah. stuff. The whole it was all because Wanda did something that allowed right. her to. Right. Yeah. You know, and just 
Well, there's I, something about the pantheon of actors that are working in mm. these movies and shows that are being, uh, you know, just poo-pooed aside by, you know, like, you know, your high-end director who will never do a superhero film. They, these guys, for you. these actors are bringing oh. stuff to the table that your actors could only dream about bringing. Because, well, can I, I wanted to say something about Moon Knight, too, and the fact that... Um, there's there's always this okay just just when I get fed up with like is Hollywood ever gonna give us another good Batman movie and and whatever then they all of a sudden they put out the Batman or whatever and right. um, when I just started to think Marvel was becoming formulaic and set Ooh. in their ways all of a sudden yeah. they give us this new stuff with Moon Knight and I'm like it still looks like a Marvel TV show just mm -hmm. in the way that mm -hmm. it's lit and everything but. Now, I don't know what's coming next, and I, I like the fact that you can be pleasantly surprised even now. You know, yeah. it's like, because uh, this this show, like I said, it's got it's got elements of uh, it's got elements of the Joker movie, which I love. I love the fact that you're just kind of like, what is real here and what isn't? And well, I don't know I, if we're going to get those answers, and I kind of like when, when and you Well, don't, and there's you know. a ton of obvious elephant in the rooms through yeah, this entire... Well, yeah. Yeah, well, it was a hippopotamus. But, you know, the sarcophagus jumping up and down in the corner, the fact that he's hailing a cab, the fact that he's this, and the fact that, I mean, is this, and the fact that, I mean, it's just this constant barrage. Of Jake symbolism? Of just, just boom, 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 but, boom, but, boom. But, Alan, you're looking at this as somebody that knows about Moon Knight. I don't know anything about him, so for but, me, that's well, interesting. The, but it's the, a, the still, it's a sarcophagus so, jumping yeah. up and down in the corner. You may not know from the comic book why it's jumping up and down in the corner, but it is. Yeah. And you know that it means something. It means and, something, obviously. And, and yeah. you have been cued to pay attention to the water dish, the sarcophagus. The, the QR code on the side of the door. Uh, you you, you know what they're doing, too? Um, <laughs> and, and I want to mention one little detail that they've done. And I, I think they've been doing this ever since they started these miniseries on Disney+. Plus. It's... Uh, at the credits, you don't just say, okay, the credits are up. It's time to turn it off. You watch all the credits because oh, no, even, the, stuff in there. even the images, like I love the fact that it took five episodes, but you're, I, I was like, why is there? Why are they showing us this staircase in the middle of a desert going up? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the fifth episode, you're like, oh, that's oh, why they have a staircase. That's or, why there's a staircase. Why, is there a yeah. staircase that goes to nowhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm. it's like that's but, just uh, all these little symbols and stuff are cool, man. And, I mean, did you catch, like, you know, very huh. – I know you probably haven't done this, okay. but this is one of those shows that when I get a new episode, leading up to that new episode, I go back and watch all the episodes leading up. I'm, it's basically like instead of starting the book where I left off, I'm going back and reading from the beginning until you know I get yeah. to where it's the fish, uh, the, oh, the, the one with fin one fish fin. Yeah. that is in Stephen's aquarium yeah. in the apartment. Changes. Yeah. Yeah, all these. It's cool the picture details. that his little brother was drawing on the last day that he. Yeah, mm -hmm. we we are telling everybody we 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 we've, we've given the spoiler warning several times, but yeah, 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 yeah. I want to do well, that I'll too, be Brandon. Honest, I'm going to go conversation back. Conversation hasn't been smooth enough that you could guess what's going on in this. <laughs> yeah, but watch as soon as it's over, you're going to go back and rewatch and catch all you the missed stuff half you missed. Of it. Right. Yeah, you missed half of it. So, easily. Joe, at the end of this episode, what is your question going forward? Um. Well, I still wonder. Is any of this real? Yes, it's all real. Or okay, because I don't know, man. It's like uh, we've we've seen the okay. What's real to me is the fact that his uh, brother died. But then again, maybe it's not his. Maybe he fabricated that part to 
account for his mother being abusive or stuff. I don't know. I think anything's on the table, personally. No, Joe, you are exactly where mm-hmm. they want you to be. Yeah. They yeah. want you to think yeah. that every single fact, everything you know during this series is questionable and it's on the table and has yet to be revealed who and what Moon Knight is going to be by the end of the sixth episode. And it, you've only got an hour left. Well, mm-hmm. and I wanted to, I, I, we haven't even really praised uh, Oscar Isaacs. I want to give him a lot a, a uh, lot of credit. I will say this. When this show started, <laughs> it, it's just like with WandaVision. The first two episodes, I was like, okay, it's, you know, it's good. But I didn't, it didn't suck me in and really intrigue mm-hmm. me. But, and then part of um, Stephen just started getting on my nerves. I'm like, he's too whiny. He's kind of mealy mouthed or whatever mm-hmm. and and then i'm like you know now that we're in episode five i'm like you know oscar isaac's performance is what made all that possible for me because he he played him that way and he played and i'm like he's and, just doing a great job and, and when again, he was banging his head together on that last and again know, spoiler alert yeah you know steven came through he protected mark like he was supposed to right when right. they were when they were being attacked by the lost souls and, yeah You've got to realize you have a single actor, mm. you know, not... not Acting uh, against himself. Well, you, you like, have yeah. a single actor having to portray two different characters to the different characters to the point you will actually discuss them as separate individual characters on the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's nothing. It's no easy that feat, is, man. I don't know. That, I don't know that what is that's the hallmark like. of a performance. Because we've seen that in the old days when you had to do it, like I think on the Brady Bunch, when they had mm. to, they had some episode where they had to to put two people. Right. Well, these days it's obviously a lot more sophisticated. But I just wonder, acting wise, that's a huge challenge Oof. still keeping all of that straight. So anyway. Hats off to uh, Moon Knight, and we can't wait to see how it's going to wrap up. But uh, in that vein, you guys, we're going to have a really interesting discussion when we come back. We're going to talk about how suffering can inspire some of the best art. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio here at News Talk 98.9 The Roar of Memphis. We'll be right back. Geek Tank Radio. No! No! News Talk 98.9 The Roar of Memphis. I don't know what that was, and uh, I don't know how to react. But anyway, welcome That's, back to uh, Geek Tank. It was Tank. there. That was that was just Max trying to lobby for a better radio station for and, him. He wants to get oh, away from us. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Anyway, uh, I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max behind the glass. Throwing, oh, I see what the problem was. My headphone jack was loose. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear any of that, you guys. So we were discussing Moon Knight, who had a few screws loose, and now Joe's um, got his mm, mic thing loose. Yeah, he has, yeah. And apparently his headphones were loose. <laughs> I didn't hear. I, okay. You know, audio, live radio, whatever. Do we need to start over, Joe? No, we're good. So, guys, uh, we were talking. Uh, Is there a hippo uh, god behind him? That's we're all talking about know. Moon Knight. And but, so we're done with the spoilers. So if you yeah. if you tuned out, uh, you can now tune back but, uh, in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Joe Joe needs uh, he he needs help. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I need, new, I need new headphones. But, hey, guys, so in that vein, you know, we, we were talking about what a dynamic character Moon Knight was, and he, he's definitely a broken person. We can all agree. Mm. Whatever's going on with Moon Knight, mm. he's got issues. Well, um, it, it's, it all sort of coalesced into an idea we wanted to discuss now, and it's all about the, the, the notion of suffering. And what's interesting is shortly after I watched Moon Knight, um, I watched – there's a there's some videos on YouTube that I really enjoy – uh, and I'll just give him a shout out. It's called the Professor of Rock. He's a guy right. that does these these deep dives. He might just pick one song, and you learn the history of a song, or you learn some things about a group that you didn't know. 
And um, one, you know, one of the songs that uh, that I watched, he did uh, "Under the Bridge" by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which right. is a pretty, you know, "Under the right. Bridge." Yeah, yeah. I think everybody knows that very song. very popular song. Well, um, and I remember when it came out because back in the day, I was living in uh, San Diego, and I I saw I you know when the Red Hot Chili Peppers came out of nowhere and just became this huge group, and I was aware and just became this huge group. And I remember that song, and to be honest, I thought the song was actually kind of, um, I would call it uplifting, or at least it, I didn't i didn't realize there was such a dark history behind that song. Right. And what I discovered in this video was he was talking about um, Anthony Cletus. I guess he's the, the, Anthony the lead. Anthony Cletus. Cletus. Yeah. He's the lead singer. And uh, at this point, this is a guy that's got all sorts of money. He's dating, you know, you know, supermodels, supermodels, everything. And yet at the same time, he's got this terrible drug addiction and he's sleeping under bridges in downtown LA surrounded by, you know, gang members and doing all sorts of drugs and everything. And uh, when he came out of that, he was very isolated and he finally kicked his drug habit. Thank goodness. But he wrote this song under the bridge. And I was like, I had no clue and it's such a powerful song and it's such a it's such a um this it stood the test of time and uh it got me thinking about how much it could be anything has come out of suffering and i'm thinking it might be an interesting thing to round table here just uh harnessing human suffering and making art well, out of it basically. i don't i don't i don't want to get too dark on any of this but yeah. i mean look look at comedians <laughs> bingo Acro across the board i it's, mean how many how yeah. many comedians have we lost early in their careers in their lives because of drug addictions or suicide because of the fact that they're so you know it's it's all about depression and them wanting to make you laugh so you don't worry about them well it's also a coping thing yeah. sometimes people have and it might not be that serious of yeah. trauma but they're they're basically it's a way to uh, yeah. overcome we've pain all, we've yeah. all heard the whole if if i don't laugh at it i'll cry yeah yeah. Well, yeah. There, there's yeah. kind of a platitude in the background about comedy yeah. that's been going around for decades. And that is, you know, comedy is nothing more than pain plus time and delivery. Right. Because more than pain plus time and delivery. Right. Because the things that are funny are generally uncomfortable for somebody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're going to you're going to talk about somebody's ex-girlfriend that you didn't like, well... Now you're going to begin to exacerbate everything about the ex-girlfriend you didn't like, and yeah, right. you know, and, you know, it becomes funny. Or uh, I remember, gosh, this thing probably one of the biggest comedy videos ever was, uh, wasn't it? Uh, um, Eddie Murphy's where he's wearing the red leather jumpsuit, raw. raw, and talking about throwing shoes at people. Yeah, you know, you know, pop, you know, that had to hurt. Yeah, that may be funny on stage, but if somebody clocked you in the back of the head with a shoe, sure, yeah. that's yeah, you know, yeah. exactly. It's, it, it, but it's the strange yeah. things that the stories we will tell that yeah. strike funny later. So you bring up, you know, Anthony Kiedis and his hair. It was a heroin addiction, and right, you know, once you you do it, when you get it, and then you don't really have any option but to stay where you got it. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter how much money you have, how much, yeah, how many, how much fame and everything, but. There are literal hundreds upon thousands of musicians whose every, every bit of their inspiration comes from that dark place that they find themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then, of course, you know, you know, then, then you've got, you know, your obvious ones where, 
you know, people people joke about, you know, it's like, well, you know, Adele's had her heart broken so many times, she's got this many multi-million right. platinum. But there's a there's almost a uh, a line between your corporate created musician and someone who's actually suffered. And you can tell just based on how emotional and powerful the music is for you, even if it's music you don't like, it's for you, even if it's music you don't like. It's funny you say that, uh, Brandon, because one of the things that I was, it's just sort of an observation. We've seen these bands where they, I guess music's a good one to talk about, but uh, we've seen these bands where they come out and you, it's like they have this awesome first album or yeah. maybe it's their second out. Maybe they hit this this stride, but then all of a sudden they get big. They get big and famous. They're doing all these tours. They're they're living in mansions, and suddenly their music kind of suffers, and it gets right real vanilla and kind of. But then boring. You, you know, it's like then they're not hungry anymore. Then afterwards, you, know? you get you know you end up coming back, and you know it's like someone with a solo career will hit you with an album that is like completely amazing, and then you'll find out later on that during that time where you know the music was just kind of meh. They were miserable. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I wanted to mention, and the reason this is such a good song to uh, discuss is because I think most people have heard it, and, and you know, it's like yeah. uh, the opening line, he goes, uh, sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel of angels. So he's talking about L.A., which at that point is exactly what he was feeling. He felt very alone, and he only felt at home in the city. And I was like, and, and he wrote that line. He didn't write it as a song. He just wrote it in his journal or he just thought it was yeah. a line that struck and I'm, and so uh, I was discussing this with my daughter I'm like you know the thing is in terms of creative um uh, in terms of creating something if you just write if okay you're in the middle of some some sort of suffering or whatever the um the emotions that you're feeling and the the words that are probably going to come to mind are very raw and very real yeah. and very you know probably something that other people could relate to and I'm thinking why waste that input? You know, why waste it? That's a great muse, even though you might not enjoy suffering. Right. But, you know. Now, Alan, you're, you have been in the publishing industry. You've been a writer. You've, you've mm. been an mm. editor. You've dealt with mm. the written word for more years than you with mm. the written word for more years than you'd care to admit That's because true. it hasn't made you rich yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you, you know, it's a different kind of suffering, but. Oh, yeah. You, as a as an amateur writer over here across mm. the board. I mean, I'm published, but it it's a book, and you know, and it was like, it, it, it was it, nepotism. I'm just gonna. Uh, admit. I, I, sorry. But you can always, it's like as someone who's done editing, you can always tell when someone's writing just because they're tapping away for a paycheck, and when they actually have something to say. James Patterson. Sorry, uh, well, <laughs> I was still. I, at the risk of being sued, I still think he only writes about a third of his stuff. Does he even write that much? Okay. Anyway, can I, we get know, sued for that? Probably. Max, you might have to beat yeah, that. Probably, that you know. It doesn't mean they'll win. But but you know, well, the thing is that we admitted it, so we're good. It's an opinion. So, you know, I can it's have an, an opinion. opinion. You're allowed to opinion. opinion. All, all right. right. Well, I'm I'm going to backtrack you one second and go. All right, guys. There is an entire category devoted to things not going quite your way. Mm-hmm. I believe we call it the blues. Yeah. We have an entire street in this city devoted yeah, to the blues. Yeah, but how come all the blues musicians you see look like some of the happiest, funnest people out there? I mean, they're all... Well, because sometimes when you, <laughs> if you can get the words out... It's a it, purge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's dealing with it. It's, yeah. you know... They deal uh, with their suffering through their music. 
like, well, life is not always easy. Nothing was ever guaranteed you of there's of, I don't know how many TV comedies are the fallen angel. Yeah. Uh, you know, I used to live on the hill. Now I live yeah. over here. I used to be, or I got moved to, or yeah. the fish out of water, yep. uh, so to speak. Uh, that is probably half, probably half of the sitcoms ever written. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and you know, just that's, just. that's why, you know, usually when once they uh, accomplish the goal or, you know, find the one or whatever, the sitcom gets boring and and, yeah. Well, but I'm going to pick on the blues music for a minute. The blues music is almost a celebration of the fact that everybody embraces that we yeah. all got to get up and go to work. Yeah. yeah. And that relationships are hard and children are often crazy and family members can be the biggest source of stress in your existence. Yeah. And so here's an Wait, entire... Is this blues music or country music? I'm well, kind, this kind is, of blurs well, the well, line well, sometimes. Well, here's, so, here's yeah. the thing. Well, you know, <laughs> in country music in many ways... there, You know, it's like you... It's like you know, the, you've got the blues, and you do have country, and, you know, a lot of it talks... You know, a lot of old country especially was... You know, she left me, she took my truck, she took my dog. Yeah. The only thing I have left is this, <laughs> is you know, this, is this case of beer. You know, there's there's also a thing that where it's like if you listen to the underlying, uh, you know, elements of jazz. Yeah, jazz always feels like a celebration when you're listening to it. But the you know those that have lyrics, mm -hmm. that's some downright dark stuff. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, welcome but, to the celebration that everybody hurts, yeah. everybody has a little misery in their lives, and. It's not necessarily, see, the the blues and a lot of the old country music and that kind of stuff yeah. was a wonderful way of, you've, you've had that day. Yeah. You can go over to the jukebox and play that song, yeah. which expresses how it's, you feel. That song is Bubba Shot the Jukebox. Hey, we, <laughs> Brandon, you know what you're yeah. reminding me of? Did you see that latest, um, it was a Andrew Garfield movie on Netflix. It was a true story about the the Broadway musician. What, what the heck was the name of that? I, it, it just came out. That Broadway musician, what what the heck was the name of that? I, it, it just came out. That one is a perfect example of exactly what we're talking yeah. about. It's 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 in the middle of like the um, the AIDS epidemic back in the uh, you know late eighties, early nineties type of thing. And uh, this guy used every ounce of his paint. If his if his uh, you know electric bill was light uh, was late, he made a song about it or whatever. But right. yeah, I kind of wanted to throw in like an example that Emma, for my kind of you know, since I have a background in Japanese literature and Japanese in general, I kind of wanted to throw in a thing that's kind of a compromise. That's sort of you might call it a blend in between, like you know, the manufactured music and everything, and like the like the genuine pain. It, this isn't music, but it's literature. There's a famous author by the name of Osamu Dazai, and he wrote a book that's the second most popular book in J in Japanese literature. It's called No Longer Human. And when he was trying to write this book, he kind of put himself through suffering and everything in order to... In the process, he, he the way that he went about doing it was bad, and it kind of led to problems like with his family and everything, because, like, you know, he would be drinking, and he would, um, uh, you know, like, he would go, like, I'm um, a... Uh, like um, other unseemly things but like it was in the process of trying to write this book about like the suffering and human condition and everything so like it's a weird compromise so like he ended up suffering for he literally ended up suffering for his art 
Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> now okay. that's a different dynamic because right. most of us don't seek out suffering. Yeah. So, know, so think, I'm gonna but, I'm yeah. gonna roll it back uh, yeah. for a minute, Joe. Uh, the movie you're talking about is Tick Tick Boom. Tick Tick yeah. Boom. You know, great movie. Yeah. And uh, and just to throw back to something we were talking about earlier, you want to talk about an actor who just I don't care how you feel about his Peter Parker, he knocks it out of the park with everything he does. He's very yeah. But I mean, he you know, there's there's something about people who are doing the job and and. You know, up and coming musicians, artists, everything else like that. If you're wondering why, if you're wondering why your stuff might not be hitting, maybe you're not putting enough of your emotion into it, and, and maybe you're calculating too much. Like I said, like the, yeah. like with that Anthony Kiedis thing, he just wrote the words down because he just that's that's what that's a musician how he does. Felt. He didn't mm, yeah. even write it as a song, so maybe some of you, that's yeah. yeah. Some of your best, you know, uh, lyricists, they don't sit down and and write a song. Right. They write down thoughts in a journal. They they you know they 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 dictate into into a microphone into a uh, you know recorder. And then when they sit down, they put it all together. Hang on, Alan. Before you cue in, I did, you just reminded me of something else. Robert Plant, because you know I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. I was mm -hmm. reading about how they wrote "Stairway to Heaven," and he said he was in a terrible mood. He was like in a really bad mood that day when they wrote uh, started writing "Stairway to Heaven." So it's this is all I don't know. It's all coalescing. But. Well, I saw an interview with Billy Joel. Yeah. Oh gosh, twenty years ago, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I got to, I'm, you know, I got to get to work on a new album. So, you know, there's my piano room. I'm gonna go in there. I got all my paper. I got all my, I got everything I need, and I go in there. And two weeks later, I come out. I smell bad. I look bad. I haven't shaved in a week. I'm still wearing my bathrobe, and I'm like, all right." Here's a new pretty love song. Tell me what you think about it. Oh <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. It's like, but and, yeah. and I'll, I'll adjunct that with a novelist. Yeah. A, a novelist is a, in many ways, a little bit of a mini masochist, because you're now going to sit down and pound out a hundred thousand words about imaginary people, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. your job as a writer is to take imaginary people, imagine them to the point that they're real to somebody. And then murder them. Yeah. And, then, and then basically, I, I think the advice was make them climb a tree so you can throw rocks at them. To a person spending yeah. a lot of time alone with imaginary people that you're doing not so happy things to. Yeah, I mean, and you know, Max actually inspired me to, you know, it's like, Emily Dickinson. Oh, you, yeah. You, you want to talk about a tortured soul. Uh, but, you know, it's like if you really want to see, look into someone's soul through their words, pick up any book of poems. Sure. Oh, yeah. Any collection of poems. I would, and I, this kind of makes me think of a Brandon kind of like a back and forth inspiration thing. Like I was, I've been really interested in learning more about the um, meaning behind Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. And I, there's oh. a line oh. in there. There's Come a talk line to me. In, there's a line in there that says, <laughs> I've seen many friends flown before. So, like, is that like talking about like suicide? Has he seen people like hop off of buildings and everything? So, it's well, like, it's that's pretty dark stuff. Not, not, not quite. Not necessarily. But you're not that far. But it is, it, it is friends who have basically fallen on the sword by their own, is friends who have basically fallen on the sword by their own own the things that they've done led to it whether it be drugs alcohol reckless behavior in general or the taking of their own lives yeah that's very much you know what you're seeing in the raven
and and I, I wanna I wanna throw something else into this mix because right now and, we're talking about all the great art and, and we're talking about a lot of famous people that have created things out of suffering. Well, the everyday person. Back in the day, Brandon, I hate to admit this, but, it, you know, when I was like a teenager and somebody talked about like art therapy or something, I probably would have said, oh, it's a bunch of gobbledygook. It's a bunch of psycho babble or something. As an adult, I've come to really appreciate yeah. how therapeutic and really what an important thing that is. Yeah. And so if you're not you're not a professional musician or something, but you're in the midst of suffering, just if, you, if you're writing it in a diary or if you make a story or a painting or a song, it's it's basically like it's like taking that poison out of you and channeling it. I mean, right, it, I mean it'll help your psyche. It's it's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just triggered Alan. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I'm a this big is, believer. Well, this in is that, one of those you know? conversations that can lead us all in various directions. Uh, but before Alan, I let Alan go. I want to you know mention you know I I've just recently gone and seen the Beyond Van Gogh immersion uh, mm -hmm. you know exhibit. Oh, Van Gogh had a happy there's, life, didn't he? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, there's oh. a lot of correspondence there between him and his brother Theo where you can see where it's like he wants to be happy. Right. But he can't find his way. And it doesn't matter how much Theo, you know, supports him. There's just that thing. The only, the only honest, uh, you know, thing that's helping him is his art. Right. And then, of course, the, you get to see the self-portraits. He does them. He he's he did thousands of them, and then there's that moment where you don't want to laugh, but you have to because eventually you get to this group of portraits where his head is wrapped. Because he cut off his head is wrapped. Because he cut off. Because his he ear. cut off yeah. his ear. Mm -hmm. Why is that funny? <laughs> okay. No, no, no. It's, it's because you're watching yeah. in in the. I don't want to give too much away because I want people to experience this exhibit on it's their own. It's traveling around the country, right? Right, right. So it's other it's in Memphis right now. Yeah. I think the last time you can see it, if you're here Truly in town with us, to go. is yeah. May thirtieth is when the exhibit closes. Okay. So you got a month, but yeah, you well, you're watching these things alter, and then all of a sudden, his head's wrapped. Yeah, and you're in there, and there's somebody who doesn't know the story behind Van Gogh, and somebody, and they go, "What's but honestly, wrong with him?" Seeing yeah. it chronologically like that really does make an impact. It really so, does. Yeah. Well, I will give you Edward Leedskanen. Yeah, I will no take your Edward Leedskanen and give you Taylor Swift. Yeah. Okay. You know, in a lot of ways, I can tie those two together. I'm sure you right. can. Edward Leedskanen. He was a he was a little bit of an eccentric. He lived in um, Florida. And in eccentric from Florida. I no know. It's so scary. Of But between 1923 and 1951, he created something none of his neighbors or anything knew, and it was basically out of a broken heart. Okay. It's in Homestead, Florida, and today it is called the Coral Castle. Oh, that's oh. right. And okay, it, you mentioned that on Tool Talk Radio before. I, I have. The guy but got I'm broken hearted. And, I'm going to mention it for a different reason this time. This guy moved thousands of tons of coral rock and carved basically his own entire world, including swinging walls that weighed tens of thousands of pounds that you could push with a finger. Yeah. So this was a guy that just basically went, okay, I'm in America now. My sweetheart's not coming. I'm a laborer by day. What am I going to do? So what am I going to do? So at night, he created his own world that is still there. You can still go see it. But if you want to see the power 
And we're talking about the power of suffering and creativity. This wasn't music. I mean, this was thousands of tons yeah. of rock. Well, and a man that was barely five foot five. Well, this I think was not it, a huge guy. I think if there's a lesson here, it's basically if you if you are suffering, don't just internalize it. Do something with it. And you know, a lot of actors they'll do the same thing. If they have a headache, they channel mm. it. They use it for to to you know they you take what you've got and it might actually how be do you a, cry a so easily? Disguise. I go to a dark place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of actors will tell you that too when they have to do a scene where they're where you know. They might have been having a great fun day, and they're not in the mood no. to cry, so they have to make themselves think of terrible, sad things. The to, movie, to make the it happen. movie, the stunt man had the you know how ruthless out of his actors. Yeah, yeah, and some truly rough scenes. You're like, oh my gosh, what a complete jerk. Yeah, but you know the biggest thing here is take the things that are happening in your world and move them forward. The idea is advance, take the next step. It, everybody's going to lose a parent. Everybody's going to lose a family member. It's going to suck. They, yeah. There's no way of making that good. But the thing is, can you move it forward? Can you can you play it forward in a positive manner? Yeah, pretty interesting discussion, you guys. You know, I, I, I and we would love to hear what you think. So you know, get in touch with us. Uh, get in touch with us. Call us or text us at nine zero one six eight three zero nine eight nine or go to our geek tank radio facebook page or something a little more serious than we normally discuss mm. but i think it's worthwhile i mean it's it's sometimes you got to be serious yeah good good insight though today but i i think we have not exhausted this subject but we've not exhausted this subject but we've exhausted the clock you guys it's time to get out of here <laughs> so until, exhausted my patience exactly so until <laughs> next week we are the geek patrol and i am joe thorderson i'm alan gilbreth i'm maximilian and i am brandon Elmstead reminding you that suffering for your, for your art is not just a cliche